In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Well, welcome back, my friends, to the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode is brought to you by Bosley, Indeed, and Bet Online. And it's pretty crazy to think that my guest today, Nolan Gould, spent more than half his life on the same TV show. He started on Modern Family when he was just 11 years old. And when he was 21, the show came to an end earlier this year. And a lot of this interview is talking about reinvention. And this happens in all of our lives, whether you're on TV or not. This happens to all of us because oftentimes our identity is tied to a certain job or maybe a specific relationship. And when that comes to an end, you have to look ahead to what's next. And there's so many little nuggets in this conversation that you'll be able to apply to your life no matter what you do or no matter what stage of your life that you're in. So take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram so that uh, we know that you're with us on this conversation. We can say hi to you. Uh, this is easy. It's just our name. So I'm at Chris Van Vliet. He is at Nolan Gould. And if it's your first time here, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening on. And thank you for continuing to bring the reviews on Apple Podcasts as we creep ever so close to that goal of getting 2,000 reviews. And I'm going to keep reading one out on every episode as my way to say, thank you for being on this ride with me. And hopefully there's some modern family fans on this ride. Braziant says, amazing. I love listening to this podcast when I'm on the road driving back to college. Great guests and interesting content on every interview. Well, thank you so much, Braziant. Braziant? Braziant. I hope that you're having a great year at college, despite you know everything that's going on in the world right now. I hope that you're able to you know, still have a good time at college. Okay, so if you've watched Modern Family, you'll know Nolan Gould as Luke Dunphy, the youngest kid in the family, but he couldn't be any more different from Luke. Nolan and Luke are polar opposites. In fact, Nolan is a genius. Yeah, an, an actual genius and a member of Mensa. We talk about how he got into acting because of his brother, why he thought he actually bombed the audition for Modern Family. We talk about the first big purchase he made with his Modern Family money. Being mistaken for Sean Mendez, they do look very, very similar. We talk about all that and so much more. So please enjoy this conversation with the one, the only, Nolan Gould. Well, here we go. All right, Nolan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm I'm stoked to just see another face. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> nice to see another human right now. <laughs> we also have matching microphones, which I appreciate. That's right. We've got a, a nice little podcast squad going on this, here. Like, yeah, this is like an official podcast thing. You've got like a whole setup though. You're, you're I do. So, yeah, chair, we're... you're in a studio. Okay, so I want to I want to explain what the, all of this is because it, it looks very professional and it is, to be fair. I've, you know, we've got nice mics, nice cameras, uh, backdrops and all of that because we wanted an excuse to get really good gaming computers. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my best friend wanted a way to write off on our taxes like really high-powered gaming computers brilliant so we were like and even to tell like my mom and stuff because she looks at all my expenses i was like yeah we're building a, a streaming room and then we've <laughs> like streamed like twice and really just played a lot of video games in quarantine <laughs> this is great advice though for anybody that's watching when you have 1099 income you can write pretty much anything off <laughs> yeah it's, it's a great it's a great way to fake the system so were you like all right we're gonna we're gonna stream on twitch we need great gaming computers and then everything else just kind of goes with that. Yeah, you know what? It, it was one of those things, and it, 
it was actually kind of perfect timing because you know, I was I was thinking about you know the show ending and um, what I wanted to do next. And I, you know, when I'm not working and being productive, I just like to play you know video games because it shuts off my mind. And I was like, but it's also such a waste of time. It really is. And so I was like, how can I at least like be doing something sociable and you know reaching out to fans and you know trying to stay involved that way in, in the meantime. Uh, and the, you know, the hope is one day to also like maybe do a podcast and stuff, but I'm a little scared because it would just be me and my best friend yelling at each other about like UFOs and stuff. <laughs> and you, but that people would love that. That'd be yeah, amazing. there's there's definitely a market for that. Where do you where do you sit on UFOs? Are they real? Uh oh yeah. Well, yes and no. I have like are we gonna get straight into my crazy quarantine brain? <laughs> because like, I would like to, I'd like to introduce myself as like a real person and then be like, since quarantine started and I've been spending so much time alone, my my brain has expanded. <laughs> I've gotten to a lot of down a lot of YouTube holes. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, but, uh, it's no, a, they're definitely a rabbit they're, hole. They're real. It's just that um, they're not they're not nuts and bolts like we think they are. Mm. They're not. They're not like actual like aliens in a spaceship coming here to abduct us. There's something else going on. Ooh, I've yeah, I've heard is, the theory that maybe it's the future versions of us on a different timeline. That that's more what I'm talking about. Or like, if you really want to go crazy, there's the stuff that I've been reading about is like the places where the dimensions accidentally touch and then these things like break through on accident. Wow. Oh man, we're only a few minutes into this. My mind's already <laughs> getting blown. Jeez. Well, let's let's take it back a few uh, steps here. Fair enough. When you talk about uh, when you talk about modern family coming to an end and preparing for what's next. How much preparation do you feel like you had? Because, I mean, wasn't season 10 supposed to be the final season? And then you got season 11 thrown in? Yeah, you know, I had I had my, like, literally my whole life to think about the show ending. Because it started when I was 10. And, you know, even going into it, I was so apprehensive because I had, you know, had all of my friends be on shows and they get canceled after, like, a season. And so, like, it always felt too good to be true. And then like, we'd get another one thrown on like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. We'll see how this lasts. And then, you know, it just kept going and going. And then eventually it got to a point where like, I, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to last. But then, you know, the realization that eventually like, hey, it was going to end and it's going to be really sad. We made our peace with the show ending. At least I did uh, on season 10. I think some of the adults maybe knew like there's a chance of us coming back. And then I remember the day that I realized like, Oh, we might come back. Was on a group chat. I there, there's only been like one modern family group chat in like of, of all time. It's hard to get Ed O'Neill in text message. Believe me, <laughs> he keeps trying to reach out to me via email, but he keeps emailing my mom. <laughs> so we have to like talk through forwarding messages. Uh, but we got in one group chat, and then I think it was like maybe Eric or Julie or maybe even Ed was like, "Hey guys, let's do this one more time." Like season eleven, I was like, "This is." As amazing as all I want, I responded immediately like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in." And then we made it happen. And then that that final season, we knew it was going to be a last, and so we really got to enjoy it. Is it wild thinking that you spent more time, more of your life on Modern Family than not on Modern Family? Yeah, it is. It is really crazy um, to think that I've spent half my life like being a, another person. And um, let me just tell you, it is traumatizing when that ends. <laughs> it's traumatizing when you get the other half of you ripped out, and you're like, "Who, who, who am I?" Uh, no, it's been it's been okay. Um, I, I had plenty of time to prep, and um, but it, it has been interesting going from something that monumentous in your life. Like, I mean, I don't know what to describe it for. I like, I, I think I maybe describe it as like the end of like when you graduate college or something. Sure. Yeah. Doing school your whole life, but it's not really like that because it's your friends and your family and your work and your schooling and everything mixed into one. That's what the show was for me. Um, and then that ended and then, um, the world fell apart. (laughs) And, uh, and so it's been, it's been an interesting adjustment for sure. This is also part of your legacy now, because when you're on a show that, look, most shows don't last 11 seasons, as yeah. you're very well aware of that. This is going to be something that's going to be on your resume forever and ever and ever, uh, which yeah. I, I think is is a great thing. But as you know, there's also like, you're going to be, you're going to be working against that for a lot of your career too. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to milk it as long as possible. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to think about. I, you know, uh, the, the curse of the child actor is omnipresent for me. It's something, you know, I'm constantly thinking about, but you know, modern family is, it's such like a, 
if I got stuck being known as like the, hey, that's that guy from Modern Family. Like, I feel like for a lot of young actors, like, you know, coming from, you know, things like, you know, like the Disney Channel and stuff, they want to separate themselves from that. Uh, I'm really proud of the work that, you know, we did on Modern Family and how many people we reached out to. Like, I'm, you know, I'm down to, <laughs> I'm down to keep being known as that guy because it brought so much, you know, joy and, and love into people's lives and, you know, helped change the way people view the world. And yeah, it's a good thing to be a part of. It's not even just the curse of a child actor. Like if you're part of a popular show, this is it for, you know, a lot of people that's going to follow them around. Jason Alexander's had an amazing career, but he will forever be George Costanza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it is, it is easy to get, I think, you know, like pigeonholed into like maybe like a character. Um, like if everyone sees you as that character, no matter your age, it's kind of hard to move on to something else. But I was pretty lucky in the fact that I grew up a lot on the show. I started when I was 10. We ended at 21. People got to see me grow up. I didn't get like dumped at that weird, awkward stage. They thankfully kept me on. Right. They didn't age me up and recast me with like, I I don't even know, Seth Rogen, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't age me up to Seth Rogen. So Luke's just like 35. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it's easy to get pigeonholed, but I, you know, I got carried through to uh, an older age. And also the character changed a lot. Um, he was kind of, he's cool. He evolved a lot. He used to be kind of this young, dumb kid, really sweet when the show first started, super gullible. And then by the end, you know, towards the middle, he was like a, a regular teenage dude that a lot of people connected with. And then by the end, he was this young man trying to figure out who he was. Um, and so I think I, you know, I got to show a lot in there. So it wasn't like something you could put your finger on, but like, ah, that's Luke though. So. I'm really curious to know what the original breakdown for Modern Family looked like when you got the audition for this. What was the original breakdown for that show? Oh my gosh. I would actually love to track that down. Um, I remember it was called My American Family. That's one thing I know about it. It had a different name and it was said something about like a, a mockumentary single cam show. It's a documentary like following the lives of three connected families or something like that. And I remember not knowing what any of those words meant because I was 10 years old. And I remember um, just walking in and absolutely phoning in the audition um, because it was on like a Saturday. It was on Valentine's Day. Like I had gotten like a bunch of like chocolate from my mom and I just wanted to like hang out and eat it and not like read lines. Uh, and I remember walking in and be like doing it um, super hokey. Like it was like a sitcom, like like a multi-cam where there's supposed to be a laugh track. And then um, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky that um, our casting director, Jeff Greenberg, um, explained to me what the difference is and actually worked with me and got to a place where he's like, just say it normal. And then I did. And he was like, they were all laughing. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I left the room being like, man, I've absolutely failed that one. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, never hearing from them again. And then, uh, you know, ended up, hearing back and doing like eight more auditions and then finally getting, getting the show. And the, but the crazy thing is you, you get a show like that and you go, all right, I've got the pilot. This is exciting. I've got a pilot. Yeah. And then you hope the pilot gets picked up and, you know, and then you hope that you don't get canceled in the first season. Is this like, you're like hitting these to, to reference a video game. You're ref, you're hitting like these save points all, all the way along the way. Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that. And you know what? I think that I'm incredibly like spoiled now <laughs> because, you know, I'd been acting since I was five. So I was used to you know, I was used to working and not everything being a success, but Modern Family was my first like series regular TV show. It was my first pilot. And um, every step of the way seemed very easy. Everyone worked together well as a cast and crew. I think like moving on, like <laughs> I'm going to be like, I just imagined if I ever get on another TV show, I'm going to be like calling my manager, like, get me out. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> I need therapy. This is insane. Everyone hates each other. Um, yeah. I was happy to hear though that like after this you have an acting class because I think a lot of people go I mean Nolan's been on this very popular show he doesn't need acting classes now every day is an acting class when he's on set but you're constantly like growing and evolving. Yeah, yeah, I I feel that um and I think it's it's super easy to get comfortable when you're doing like a series regular and you play one character for 11 years. At a certain point, it wasn't even acting. It was just like switching on that like other part of me. Mm. Um, and, you know, now as I'm moving out, I want to do like more challenging roles, show people like maybe some dramatic work as well. And so, yeah, I'm in acting class, especially because like the industry is like basically completely shut down. And you do get rusty as like an actor. 
um, you really like, and you forget how to act and you have to like relearn it. Um, so yeah, I've just been doing acting classes over Zoom and um, that's been great. It's nice to also like work with other young actors and see the differences in the way people act is, has been like just within one scene, see the thousands of different ways that like different people can come up with. Like someone who has had a different lifestyle than you will like read it completely different. And that's been really, really cool to see. It's also, I think, great for young actors to hear that someone like you that's had the success that you've had in your career still wants acting classes. Because yeah. there, I think there's people that are just starting their career. They go, hey, I did, I did like 12 weeks. I'm good. No, yeah. I, you know, I, for anybody like that gets into acting, like always do acting classes. I think even like Bradley Cooper works with like uh, his own acting coach when he was, I think accepting an award he got maybe for Silver Linings Playbook, he thanked his acting coach. Like there's no, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. You should always be practicing. Just make sure it's like a good teacher who, you know, knows their stuff and and you connect with. Um, For me, I feel like sometimes I just need basic human emotions explained to me. <laughs> I think what's, there's what's a tough ne- emotion for you. Was that? What's a tough emotion for you to play? Um, well, this is, if you want to get dark, love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's just, it's something that like, um, you think growing up, like being a child actor and I've never, I never went to school a day in my life. I mean, I did everything online. And so like, I, I feel like sometimes I'm basically like core human, like emotions, like this is the way a normal person would process this. Uh, whereas like, I'm just like, I'm good. Time to go back to work. That really hurt me. Must keep working. Like that's like the very, you know, 10 year old child on a, on a set kind of way of looking. And so sometimes it's nice to have somebody be like, Hey, normal people would be sad here. I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you had a lot of auditions since COVID began? No, it's been, um, the industry is just now starting to open back up. Um, and I, I know that me and my people are being are pretty specific about um, moving forward about what we're looking for because you don't want to go from like something as awesome as modern family modern family to just uh, anything. So we're yeah. we're trying to be like you know real choosy about what what comes our way. But there's not there's not much that's out there right now. So I've been spending a lot of time um, trying to focus on other things and expanding myself as a person outside of acting, doing a lot of writing. Um, just getting into personal hobbies like woodworking and <laughs> what really? Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. I, I love. I, in another interview, you said it was so important for you to have interest outside of acting, yep. which I thought was really interesting because I think there's a lot of people that become passionate about whatever it is. You know, whether yeah. you're a football player, basketball player, actor, they go, "This is my life. Every second of the day is about this thing." Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I think it's super easy to become fixated on your occupation or even just your passion as like your, as your full self, like people who lead with like, I'm an actor. Um, I try to go as long as I can while describing myself without saying the word actor, because like, (laughs) although I like it, it is, you know, it is, it is, it's one of my passions, but it is a job and it doesn't give like the full picture of how I I view myself. Um, I like to think of like acting as, a means to an end as well as being really fun. Like acting allows me to do other things I really enjoy with my life, like rock climbing, yeah. um, you know, backpacking, scuba diving, things like that. If you're looking ahead to what the next project's going to be, are you thinking it's going to be television or are you looking at film? Uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I, television is television is awesome. It's great to get really comfortable with like a group of people. Mm. Uh, movies are it's cool to showcase different things, but, um, you know, I've become very, I like, I like the cushiness of sitting on an air conditioned soundstage and, um, <laughs> having craft service at my disposal whenever I want, uh, having trailers cool, you know, mm. all this stuff that like sometimes on movies, it's like, you know, I, I watch some of these things and just, if you watch a movie, like imagine like, oh man, like that was like a night shoot. Um, in like the middle of summer in the South, like, you know, everyone's like sweaty and it's like 4am in the morning and everyone's like angry. I'm like, that's, Ooh, that that's real commitment to acting. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think the thing people don't realize is when you're on a TV show, it's like a Monday to Friday, nine ish to five ish type of thing. Like you go to work. Yeah. 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 Well, if, if you're lucky, it's, it's a nine to five. I think a lot of times on modern family, it was like, uh, I think it was like a 6.30 to 4, which uh, by industry standards was like insane. 
Um, they're like, people are like, wow, you're, you're, you're sitting in rush hour on the way home. I'm so jealous. We don't usually leave till like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Um, so we were pretty lucky there, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it is full time for sure. So, well, you know, the plan is the hope is we'll see you on another TV show sometime soon. Hey man, if you, if you got a ear to the ground, let me know. Like I got some resumes I can send your way. Sure, yeah. The last thing you want is me putting the word out for you. <laughs> Please do. Guys, if you're suffering from hair loss, then I've got the answer for you. Go to Bosley. For everyone listening to this podcast, Bosley is giving away a free info kit and $250 off gift card when you text my name, CVV, to 203203. Bosley offers the latest technology and the only permanent solution to hair loss. People all over the country trust Bosley, and Bosley is considered America's number one hair restoration practice. Bosley offers both surgical and non-surgical solutions, and the sooner you take action, the more options you'll have to keep your hair or put hair where you need it most. Two out of three men will experience some degree of hair loss by age 35. But with today's technology, you don't have to live with hair loss. Get started today with a free info kit and $250 off gift card. Just text CVV to 203-203. It's that easy. Text CVV to 203-203. I'm very curious uh, what your process is for breaking down a script. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely like changing, uh, as of late, um, my acting teacher, he's, he's really smart. And the way he describes it is like, lines are always there for a reason, even if it doesn't seem like it at first It's like, you know, obviously sometimes you get bad writing where it's just, they're doing filler, but think about like, why is it written that way? Why is this line even there? Is there another thing that's supposed to be like conveyed through this? Um, he talks a lot about like events of a scene. He's like, a scene won't exist just because a scene exists because it furthers the story. Mm. So look for that moment where like a character decides they don't want to do this or they really need this or whatever it is, that event, that moment of why the scene exists and make sure to hit that and make sure the start of the scene, like there's a change. Um, mm. And so like, those are all really good things to think about. And then also... I know that always really helps me is to think about something else as you're saying it. Um, oh, what do you mean? Yeah, it's like humans, I guess, don't really always... Like how I just said humans. <laughs> you know, those humans don't always mean Ugh. what they say. Um, like they're saying something, but as they're saying that thing, you know, we, we think about something else as we're saying it. We think like, you know, I might say like, um, yeah, I would love to do that, but maybe I don't really mean it. Like maybe I'm thinking about how, like all the other things I have to do. Yeah. I would love to stay here with you, but like, I'm really thinking like, Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, so running that and then running all the, like the hundreds of different ways to say like a line, like starting with like adding like a little line before it. That's like something else. Like if I was going to be like, Hey, let's go, let's go do this thing. I'd be like, I'm going to be like, man, I really don't want to do this. Hey, let's go do this thing. You know? So like it changes the way that, um, in your mind and then just running like all of my words together so that they no longer have any meaning. This is weird. This is how I just memorize. Really? It's just like, look at the lines and just like as fast as I can, no intention and just like mash those words into my brain. And then, then once those are really comfortable with it, then you can start changing when it like feels like um, second nature to you. So that's how you memorize a script. Yeah. That's how I do. I've never I, heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, somebody, I, I want to say I could be wrong about this, but I think Michael Caine. Oh, that's Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine. It's, it's funny when you say his name with an accent; it sounds like you're saying my cocaine. Yeah, that's why. That's how you do it. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. What is um? <laughs> what is he saying in Batman? It's such a good line. He's saying like, "I won't bury another Wayne" or something. He's like, "I won't bury another Wayne." <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, but I, I I could be wrong. I could be just crediting him this, but he deserves it anyways. That like hey, he's incredible. It's just running it all together and then over time, like changing it up, and then by the end, changing up so much that you're doing ridiculous things to find just all the different 
levels you can get. I heard someone say that if you can do something else while saying your lines, that's when you know you've nailed it. So if you can, if you and I could play catch while reciting our lines, then it's like they're not lines anymore. That's that that is cool. I so my favorite actor in the whole world is Matthew McConaughey. I think he's the best. When um he got up to accept, I think it was his SAG award, and he was like, I've been looking into the future and all I see is me, me, me. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you go, dude. Um, and like the way he acts in like True Detective where like his eyes as he's speaking are seeing other things that like mm. aren't present in the room. Where it's like he's looking around and his eyes are thinking he's seeing. I'm like, that's a, that is a cool level of acting. Also never blinking. That's a fun, that's a fun thing that I realized. That's, you're not supposed to blink? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I could be wrong. This is just my theory. But a lot of really good actors um, try like go a long time without blinking. And as a person who's like pretty neurotic, I like, I blink a lot. And when people lie and get, you know, nervous, they blink. And so when we're watching somebody and they're speaking and they're blinking a lot, yeah, it seems like they're lying. So it seems like the actor is acting and not actually meaning these things that they're saying. Um, Like a good example is like Robert Danny Jr. I swear to God, I've never seen him blink. <laughs> wow, that's really. I'm going to look for that. Lines, that's like, really interesting. Yeah. The thing I love about Matthew McConaughey's acceptance speech, I think it was for his Oscar, oh, is he thanked uh, himself in ten years because that was his hero. Yeah, and you know the idea of like trying to be a better person today so you could impress yourself ten years from now. I, I mean, that's incredible to me. It's it's so self congratulating, but I love it anyways because <laughs> he's Matthew McConaughey, and you're really going to tell Matthew McConaughey not to thank himself in ten years. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, but it makes sense though. It's the idea of like, I'm trying to get better today so that I can be better in the future. Yeah, and and to say that while winning an Oscar is insane. Yeah. So what, what else do you want, man? <laughs> I'm very impressed by your uh, your impressions here. These are great. Oh, well, who else do you nail? Uh, man, I, I've got a bunch, but they kind of just, they come out at, they come out at random times. Um, if you want to hear my my full uh, my my full Matthew McConaughey impression from True Detective, I can do it. Well, please sign us is up. It, is it is it cool? I, I don't know if I I'm not going to curse, but um, he I, I'm going to. Is it cool if I mention some drug use in this speech that he gives? Okay, sure, cool. I, wanted, I wanted to double check in case we have any. <laughs> Appreciate you asking. There. All right, let's see. He's like, <laughs> I spent four years in a mental hospital upstate. They caught me in a Motel 6 with three eight balls of cocaine. I shot a crankhead nine times for injecting his baby with crystal meth. And I was just like, <laughs> watching this. <laughs> another, another, I've, this is what I just, what, this is what I just binge watched, which is why I keep bringing it up. Or like, um, the best moment in the whole thing is right at the end when Woody Harrelson, after everything they've been through, his family comes up and asks him, he's in a hospital bed and like, Hey, are uh, are you all right? And he goes, "Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm uh." <laughs> You're just like in the middle of being like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm good." And I, I was feel like we're getting a master class right now. That was, that was great. The most heart, that was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Man, do you yeah. do you do a Sean Mendes impression or you just look like him? Oh, duh, dude. <laughs> So much of my um, my dating life when I was like eighteen relied on the fact that I looked like Sean Mendes. <laughs> I bet. Have, have you had it where someone has done that to you, like out in public? Oh, yeah. I once took a photo with somebody who thought I was Sean Mendes, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna let them have this <laughs> because no it was way. at it was at I think it was um at Kiss FM's Wango Tango, and I think or maybe it was their Jingle Ball thing, but. Sean was performing um, there and I was backstage and this uh, Italian couple came up to me and they're like, Sean, we love you. We flew in all the way from Italy. Like, please, we flew in just for you. Can we get a photo with you? And I was like, and I tried to explain, to be fair, I did try. I was like, hey, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not actually, they're like, we love you. It would mean the world to us. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so there is like, some photo on. out there where someone has probably tagged Sean Mendez. Yeah. But it's really you. Yeah. And you know what the best part is like as as we're doing this, like I'm watching Sean Mendez like perform. <laughs> like oh. as we're like like we were in like I think like the bar section and he was like on a screen behind them and they didn't even see it. I was like, okay, well, 
I was like, this is very clearly not me, but okay. Maybe, maybe they thought that the twin was performing. That must have been it. Yeah, his body double or something. Yeah, like some that. sort of a uh, that was his stunt double. Yeah, that yeah, would make very sense. Funny. You know, it's it's interesting to look at your career path. And I've heard you mention in many other interviews that the reason you got into acting is because your older brother got into acting. Yeah. Do you ever think about what would have happened if, you know, your parents had put him into something else? Because, you you know, he was in acting. You just kind of tagged along with him. You ever think what would have happened? Um, yeah, I'm really glad they didn't put him into bluegrass music or something, you know? <laughs> I'm really glad that I don't like play washboard for a living. No, no offense to people who play washboards. Um, but it is something I think about. And I actually, so I grew up, I grew up in the South. I grew up in um, a place called Phoenix city. And um, it's like right on the border of Alabama and Georgia. And I do think about that a lot because I, I've been back to visit family and like, wow, our lives are so incredibly different. I get to, I'm very lucky. I get to go live this Los Angeles lifestyle and be on television. And, you know, this is all really great, but my life could have gone different directions. And I think about that a lot. Um, I feel really grateful, but at the same time, it's also, it puts my current life into perspective where I'm like, oh, I, I would have been okay. Like either way, hmm. like I, I love what I do now, but I, I do think that if I had done something else with my life, I would make it work. Um, like I, I, there's so much that interests me in the world, um, and so little that separates somebody from one certain life path. That I was like, yeah, if my, um, you know, we, me and my brother were, you know, really smart for our age when we were kids. I was like, if my family had, you know, got me interested and pushed me into science, I was like, I could be, you know, doing science stuff right now. I was like, I, you know, I'm really passionate about the environment. I could be doing environmental sciences right now, and I'm like, I would be cool with that. Or I'd also be cool like living in a van and changing my name to Nolunu and then spending every day on the beach surfing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nolunu. Nolunu. I think that's, uh, I, I, I'm stealing that specifically from forgetting Sarah Marshall when he's like, uh, your name's, uh, oh, his, his name's Kunu. Paul Rudd is Kunu. I feel like you had also the great fortune of your father being in the military, which, yeah. you know, you, you could have moved anywhere. And you were fortunate to be able to move to California where yeah, this lines up pretty well with uh, your current occupation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I'm, I, you know, I, so I was born in upstate New York in a place called Watertown. I've been uh, to Watertown, New York. Have you? BS, man. Nobody's so, been to Watertown. I, no, I'm serious. I grew up uh, just outside of Toronto. I grew up in a city called Pickering, Ontario. And we, okay. would, <laughs> we would take a trip to Watertown to watch baseball, the Watertown Indians. Oh, wow. It is, uh, it's cold there. It's cool. And I'm real glad we didn't get transferred back there um, because I, it's, it's like, I don't know, six months in a constant blizzard. Um, so I am, I am really lucky. Um, I think about it every day. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for being, being out here in LA where there's good weather and you know, nice people. And you get a lot of options that you get to do, possibly like live your life. And like, the nice thing is it's still in flux. Like acting's cool right now, but if it doesn't, go that route if I find something that else that interests me. Like I live a lifestyle that will allow me to, you know, get into other things like writing, directing, um, being a full-time rock climber, who knows? That's one of that's one of my jobs of quarantine is figuring out what I want to do with my life. And I'm, well, I'm that's kind that. of the cool thing. I heard someone refer to this recently as the great pause. And that's what it's been. It's been a chance to like pause and like look at like What's important in my life? What's important in the future? Who's important in my life? So you're right. Maybe in 2021, you might be a pro rock climber. Yeah. And you know what the best part about this year is? It's shown me that none of it matters. Yeah. Nobody matters. My family doesn't matter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm All that matters out. is you. I keep looking in the future and it keeps coming up. Me, me, me. <laughs> Somebody's going to take that really out of context. <laughs> and yeah, they're just, just going to take like, that one little clip there. <laughs> Please don't do a, that to me, the internet. That's going to be a People Magazine headline. <laughs> that's, that's it right there. Yeah. You know, the, other, the interesting thing is, sure, your dad got transferred here, but he might've got transferred after two, three years somewhere else. And yeah. Is that just like a stroke of incredible luck that you guys stayed here? No, I think that was, uh, that that was planning. After um, being out here and, you know, because in Phoenix City, there was there was no acting to be had. It was community theater and um, maybe some print jobs here or there. And then being out here and realizing that we really liked it. And I think at that point, 
my family was kind of getting tired of moving us around because we had gone from Watertown to Phoenix City, back to Watertown to Phoenix City, and then out to LA. And then I think my family was like, let's give us, let's give our kids some kind of sense of normalcy. And so they decided to homeschool us and put us into acting. Those are, but those are like, <laughs> which is, which is like, thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> well, those are just like such different cities from Los Angeles. Like, what do you think the biggest culture shock was for your mom and dad moving from Phoenix City to Los Angeles? Um, running water. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the flushes. <laughs> There's a, uh, but no, I mean, we were, we were like little. We were like little neighborhood neighborhood ruffians. We were like running around like barefoot, like the whole kids would. I think um, maybe the, the culture shock was just kind of like the typical big city stuff. Like I don't, you know, I, like freeways and, and traffic and things like that. The amount of people, as opposed to like Phoenix City, which I think maybe had like maybe ten thousand to like L.A., which is in the you know seven million to nine million area. Right. Yeah. When when you first started making money with Modern Family, I mean you're 10 years old, but when you first started making money, what was the first big purchase you were allowed to make? Uh so the first big purchase and I remember like man, this is a uh like a bank breaker. <laughs> it was uh I bought a a stand-up bass, which is like a, this big big 6 foot tall um bass instrument uh and it was like $300. And I remember being <laughs> do like You still have this? I, I still do. And I remember like mom like I I'm I'm going to I'm going to put myself on a budget after this. I'm not going <laughs> to She's like okay, sure. <laughs> I think yeah, she 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 I mean that's a good lesson to teach a kid. Uh she did not let me get my way. And I remember all my money went into savings. But like I was like I'm, I was I was like I'm going to I'm going to work this out with my mom. I was like mom I was like, every episode I work, I want 20 bucks. <laughs> and so I had this little like little note sheet where I'd write down the episode number and then I would get like $20 in like imaginary money that then my mom would take out my bank account when I wanted to buy something. So like I actually had to save up for that base. And like this, by the way, this like happened until I was like 16. And um, I, then I, that's when I got my first car. And then once you have like a first real big purchase, like internet shopping becomes so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, when you're a child actor, isn't a certain percentage of your money being put away and you don't get it till you become a, an adult at 18? Yeah, it's called a Coogan, Coogan account. And it's based on the fact that there was this young actor, his last name was Coogan. I don't remember his first name. And his parents basically took all of his money. Really sad. Um, and so the uh, SAG-AFTRA you know, came up with this idea of a Coogan account where if you're under 18, 10% of um, whatever you make goes into your Coogan account. Um, and I remember being so stoked like the day before I turned 18 because <laughs> I was like, this. I was like, here we go. We're going to get it. 10% of everything I've ever earned is just magically going to appear. I was like, my friends were telling me about, you know, when they got it and how, you know, they were able to go buy a house or, you know, they were able to do these things with it. All mine went to taxes. What, what, I swear to God, every single dollar of it went to taxes. It was, what? That doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Well, I mean, like it works out the same way because then we didn't have to touch. Um, we invested a lot of my money, thankfully. And um, so we didn't want to pull out investment money to pay off taxes. And so instead, uh, my mom used the cash inflow of the Coogan account to pay off taxes. And uh, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get your Coogan. Not, yeah, it was, well, yeah. I, I mean, I, everyone else got my Coogan. <laughs> the, Uncle the, Sam got the roads cooking. of Los Angeles got you know got a little extra pavement. A couple potholes were filled. Man, you to think you, <laughs> off, you off of bought... me selling my soul to a network at ten years old. <laughs> you could have bought some other obscure instrument. Yeah, I know. There's I one one day I would love to have a room of just uh, obscure instruments. Man, that's um, a retirement dream. Well, while we sit in this room that you're in right now, the gaming room. What's yes. what are the games you're playing? Uh, so I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't been gaming a lot lately because like gaming is nice as a counterbalance to being very um, productive and working and be like, I need to shut off my mind. But when you've been like sitting, watching paint dry for six months, like sitting in front of a screen and like slowly wilting away does not feel great. Um, so I, back before I kind of stopped, I was playing, um, this game called League of Legends which is actually like the most played, I think it's the most played game in the world. 
Um, oh, wow. Cause it's, it's like popular all around the world, specifically like in Asia and Europe. And um, it's like the most competitive game in the world. Like you got guys that are making like $7 million right now to play on teams and stuff. Wow. Um, there's like championships and it is, um, it's the most brutal game in the world. You get punished for playing it. Like it is not nice to its players. And it, what do you like, mean? It, so it's like, it's so it's, it's ranked. Like you have to play against other people that are around your same like skill level and you're trying to like climb up the ranks. And like the higher you get, the harder, the better you have to be and the harder you have to play and the more of it you have to play. Okay. So you actually like want to get like that rank of, I mean, I remember my whole life, I just wanted to get gold. It goes like, you know, like bronze, silver, gold, and then eight other ranks. But I was like, I just want to get to gold. Got to gold and I was like, oh, I just want the one above it. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to 400 hours of my life disappearing this year and me not getting it and me almost losing my friendship with my best friend. <laughs> just like Nights just like yelling and like throwing his stuff. I'd be like, what am I doing? I'm 21. I'm wasting away. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so I took a break from that and uh, instead focused everything on on writing and and creating and um, trying to like get what I'd want out of life, but I do every once in a while. I'll, I've been jumping back into like old school games. Like I mm. can figure out how to plug my PlayStation Two into like my modern like Samsung yes. television, and so I've been playing like a bunch of like old like PlayStation Two hits. Um, yeah, uh, like they've been doing a lot of game remasters. Like I, they remastered like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Classic. Uh, I, I have those downloaded. That I have to. I have to get into as well. I think it's safe to say a lot of things have changed in 2020, including how we work. Businesses across the globe now are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. This makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit today at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer that you will find anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com dot com slash blue wire. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football is back in full swing, baby. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. You can do this all day, every day. So head to Bet Online and take advantage of their great sign up bonuses. Just make sure you use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word at betonline.ag. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. When you say you're writing, are you, are you writing like scripts or are you just journaling or, or what is it? <laughs> That'd be great if I was like, yeah, I've just been doing my journaling. Yeah, I've, just, I've been writing a lot in this I know book. that I know the fans really want to hear about my journaling I've been doing in my own self-growth. I'm sure they would actually. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, but uh, I've been doing, yeah, like script writing. Uh, my friend and I have been working on this animated pilot this adult mm. animated comedy um actually for about three years now um and you know it, it just we're so particular about it and it goes through so many changes and um we're actually at a point right now where um 
you know, we're working with the showrunner. Um, we are going to be um, pitching in the near future um, to networks, hopefully. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's moving, which is cool. So, and this would be, would you be voicing a character in the show too? Oh uh, yeah, but I, I, well, this is a, this is some some contention in our in our writing uh, duo, oh. which is uh, I hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> it's, and uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty much stuck at this like register, and so I've not always been like great at voice acting, um, unless like I can stick right here. Uh, and and the characters we wrote for it, I, it would be a good fit. But I was like, but who else can we get? Um, and I mean, so, you've done like ten voices during this interview. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got yeah. me there. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, think about me and him voicing characters, and then we're out to um, talking to different people about maybe voicing um, the main character. And it's it's I I can't give too too much away, but it is very in in the wheelhouse of um, the craziness that you've heard so far from spewing forth from my brain. We it's only very, got a little taste of it, I feel like. <laughs> it's very based in the world of um, conspiracy theories and, you know, kind of what we're talking about with the nuts and bolts aliens and all of that, all of that stuff. It's very in that realm. What do you, th- what do you think is the most believable conspiracy theory? Ooh. Like the one that when you look at it, you go, I mean, that probably didn't go the way they told us it went. Um, there's so many good ones. I'm thinking like, I, I, I do have to, I have to be careful because sometimes with conspiracy theories, you can make a lot of people mad. Sure. I know like if, if people want to go and like research this stuff, like the, there's the Rendlesham um, UFO forest incident. And that mm. was something like 80 military off, Officers like came out saying that they had saw this thing and actually walked up and touched it. Um, and even like that is all declassified stuff um that they're able to talk about. Um, I'm gonna like I might make some people mad here, but like the JFK assassination. No, I think that always, that's like that's definitely the one that's that yeah, that's a big one. But I know sometimes when you say that you you make you make some people mad. So <laughs> but it, you know, there's a lot of things in that just like the magic bullet, I don't know, it just doesn't really Yeah, yeah, stuff like up. that. It's not like I'm like I'm I'll be honest, I'm not that crazy. I just find it all very interesting and fun to listen to, fun to talk about. I don't think that there is like massive like plans against us. I don't think like, you know, um I don't think that the pandemic was planned. I don't think that human beings have that much control to be able to <laughs> come up with things like that, you know. I could I could be wrong, but you know, when you think about things like the Illuminati and like um, stuff like that. It's I'm like eh, I I can see where that would spawn from real life and being the fact that like um, we are we are just we're in you know we live in a capitalist world of course like we're it's not as as true as like a bunch of devil worshiper one percent's like controlling us. I'm like it's more of the fact that we're gonna keep buying the stuff they make. Right. I know at one point you were going to USC. Are you still doing that? Um, I'm not anymore. So I got accepted to uh, the USC um, film. Uh, Film, uh, it's the, the UMC film school for like, I think film and television development was going to be my, was going to be my major. And I, so at the time I got accepted, Martin family then proceeded to get picked up for three more years in a row. And so I wasn't able to go. And now that the show is over, it's something I'm still thinking about, but I'm at a point where like, I'm about to start pitching a show. I'm trying yeah. to because an actor, there's part of me that would, and you know, maybe this isn't the best idea. Instead of taking four years to figure out how to make a show, I would rather try to make a show and fail and learn from that experience of failing than reading the theory and reading books about it. I'd rather like ask the people I know, um, you know, we've been privileged to work with like a lot of really cool directors on the show, hitting them up, asking if I could shadow them. Um, you know, just writing as much as possible, getting notes from writers I respect. Um, and yeah, so I remember you, once I, I, Julie said that, Julie Bowen said that she would let me shadow her. I don't know if she's going to, if I can actually hold her up on that, that deal. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to petition her for it. Well, you went to the school of real life. Why do you need to go to college for four years if you went to the school of real life? Yeah. It's one of those things where like, I think it's a mistake actors sometimes make is like betting everything on acting instead of mm-hmm. like, and then when it fails, they like, they have no education. They don't know what to do with their lives. But 
I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing is college, college and education is always there. There's many ways to get educated outside of traditional schooling. Traditional yes. schooling is never really fit for me. Um, so I've been doing a lot of things like taking master classes. Um, I take master class. Oh, what, what do you take? I just finished Sam Jackson's acting class. Oh, cool. Very and cool. And then I'm starting uh, Natalie Portman's right now. Oh, right on. Which ones have you done? So I do... Um, Ain't no actor going to tell me how to act. <laughs> um, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take acting advice from Natalie Portman. No, I mean, I would, of course I would. What has she done other than win an Oscar? <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I take a lot of storytelling and writing masterclasses. Um, I'm going to mess up his name. I don't know if it's Neil Gaiman or Neil Gaiman, but um, he is the author of American Gods, uh, Coraline, um, Ocean at the End of the Lane, like a lot of really cool books that are specifically like based in mythology and storytelling mm. um, from the kind of like really traditional perspective. And so I took that and that was one of the best classes I've ever taken. I'm taking um, Aaron Sorkin's one, just on screenwriting right now in right. general. There's um, few that one, are better than him. One, one, of, one of my favorites was actually um, Ron Finley, um, this gardener, he calls himself the gangster gardener. Um, and he's from South Central LA. And he was talking about, um, you know, how he there in South Central used to um, take these unused like greenways, which are like, you know, medians in between, you know, roads and like, you know, the, the, the sidewalk out in front of people's houses and planting community gardens there because there was such a food desert there with people not being able to get food. And mm. people would be able to come up and just like pick food that they needed for their families. And that was really cool. And he was like, you know what, that, like that's gangster. Like that's actually really cool. Um, that's how cities should be built. Uh, and I took that and ended up planting a garden at the beginning of quarantine. It took off. Uh, I forgot about it. It's kind of, <laughs> it's going wild it? out there. It's just like wild growing cucumbers and stuff. I haven't been out there in a minute. <laughs> there are too many bugs. <laughs> and all the squirrels and yeah, I'm know, being, raccoons I'm being, are I'm eating a bunch of squirrels and raccoons. I think I, I've caught my dogs eating my hot peppers a few times. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not so good. Look, you probably couldn't have imagined you'd be here 10 years ago. Yeah. How difficult is it to imagine 10 years from now? Oh, impossible. Hmm. I'm like the idea of me in 10 years, I want to fight that guy. <laughs> like Matthew McConaughey like looks up to that guy in 10 years. I want to fight that guy. I'm like, this is so dark. I'm like, look at me. I'm like, look at this guy. He's 31 years old, 32 years old. I bet you like, I bet you care about things like, like family. I bet you're like in a long-term relationship. Oh, look at this guy. I bet you let your body go. You know why you settled? <laughs> mm. That's like, that's the way. And I, you know what the funny thing is? I bet if I were to go back 10 years to where I was like, like um, tw uh, 11, 12, 13, that guy would have bullied me too. <laughs> I bet he would have. He'd although, be like, oh, although, although he'd look also, at this guy. You're going to tell me how to live my life? <laughs> look at him with his green you're wearing, hoodie. You're wearing an ugly green <laughs> hoodie. You're going to tell me how to live my life, man. <laughs> but with, with great respect to you and everything that you've accomplished, you really don't need to work. You've been smart with your money. You don't, I mean, you have enough money that you're set for the rest of the foreseeable future, I would imagine. Well, you know, that's like a, I actually think that's like sometimes a fallacy, um, like that, that, like that line of thought, um, because I mean, I, I, I hear it a lot and it's one of those things where it's never good to feel comfortable like that. Yeah. Like, even if it is true, I prefer to come at it from a like point of view, like you never know what's going to happen in life. And, um, you know, like it, it could be tomorrow, like the stock market crashes, I lose everything and I'm, I'm living in a, you know, a van, living out my dream, living my best life. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, you never know what happens. So you always want to keep pressure, like pressing forward. And, you know, if I ever have like a family one day, that's like stuff to think about, uh, you know, prepping for that. And um, like, e even then, like, even if you have like all the money in the world, like it won't matter unless you're doing stuff that actually makes you passionate in life and things that like give you meaning because it's not all about spending it all or like hoarding it up. Like a dragon sitting on his pile of gold, you know, like that's not like, that's not the stuff like people I think actually like about life. You know, I I'm, I'm fortunate now, but I, I grew up with that money. And now that I'm lucky enough to have a little bit saved up, it's not, um, it is, you know, not worrying about things is nice, but um, 
you know, the things that like really matter in my life or, you know, pushing myself to be the best version of myself I can be and mm. um, showing the world what I can do and all these different things. I think like um, being like, I never need to work again. And I'm like, yeah, but I'd be miserable. I would, I've been like a, a month drinking, like, you know, drinking uh, daiquiris on a beach. And I'm like, all right, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it'd be very boring after a month or two. Yeah. You got to, you got to keep doing what you're passionate about. So, yeah. So I'm sure there's going to be people that are watching this or listening to this right now that you know want to be in the position that you're in. They're, mm. you know, they're, they're auditioning, they're taking acting classes and maybe they just haven't got that break yet. What kind of advice do you have for them? Don't do it. Run. It's a mistake. I'm being held here against my will. I'm blanking twice for help, please. Oh no, they're coming. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, look, it's, it's, it's hard. It really is. I would say um, for anybody wanting to get into acting, make sure it's something that you're really, really into before like, you know, placing all your bets and putting your egg in that basket and like moving out to Los Angeles. Make sure it's something that like you want to do because you're 95% of the time you're not going to be doing it. So make sure that 5% of the time is worth the 95% of waiting. Because if it's like, I get a lot of people who are just like, hey man, like I saw you on the show and like, I think that sounds pretty cool. I might try it too. Do you got any advice for me? I'm like, well, like, like it's not, it's not that easy. It's just like, oh, this guy's on a show. I can, I can do it too. Like it's, you know, you're, you're committing your life to it. And if you really want to give it a go and like, and if it brings you joy, then like go for it and, um, you know, be in acting classes, do it as much as possible. Make your friends sit through performances, be in community theater, um, do everything you can. And um, yeah, just don't give up. I almost quit acting before I got the show. Wow. Uh, but yeah, you never know. But then at the same time, like you could, you could wait around like five to 10 years, be like the next big break's coming and it never does. Um, so that's one of those things where like, it can be tricky, but if you love it that much, then, you know, maybe it's worth it. As we wrap this up, what are three things that you're grateful for today? Uh, ooh. Three things I'm grateful for. Um, I'm really grateful for the 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 friendships that have gotten me through like this quarantine. Um, really grateful for like my best friend who he's my writing partner, so I've I've had to see him. Um, we're kind of just in a quarantine bubble together, um, and the people that I get to like hang out with on on Zoom who keep me going. Um, I'm really grateful for like my my second family that I got through the show. Um, there, you know, I've been, I got a phone call from Ed O'Neill the other day and we just spoke for 30 minutes about everything going on in the world and life. And, um, you know, the, those people get, keep me going. And then, uh, third, I guess it's just like the, the, the people who, you know, um, support me, all the, all the fans out there and all the, all the fans of the show, um, who made all of this this possible and, and got us here and allows me to be even talking to you today. So um, thanks to everyone out there. Well, I'm grateful for your time today. This has been fascinating. And, oh, I'm, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing some time with us. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so amazing hearing your story and I'm so excited to see, I'm, I'm excited to meet that 31 year old version of you 10 years from now. And uh, he's going to, he's going to have so much plastic surgery. You're not even going to recognize him. <laughs> he's going to look like, he's just going to, he can't even move his face. His eyebrows are going to be stuck constantly. <laughs> I'm just horrified of the day I get like a, um, get a role to come in and like, Hey, we want you to play this. Um, the dad on this new Disney show. I'll be like, get me out. I've been in it <laughs> long. I'm a dad now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your time. Thanks again, Nolan. Of course. And thanks everyone for listening. Nolan Gould, ladies and gentlemen, what a guy and what a conversation. And I love that he's making the best of this pause that we have right now with COVID. Take a screenshot, share this with that modern family fan in your life and tag us so that we can say hi. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Nolan is at Nolan Gould on Instagram. And I'm just so excited to see what's next for him in his career. This idea of reinventing yourself is just so, so fascinating. It's also fascinating seeing how self-aware he is and also how brilliantly intelligent he is at 22 years old. I wish that I had 
a small percentage of that when I was 22. I guess I was still in college at that time, but yeah. Well, I was starting my broadcasting career at 22, but I wish I had that. I really do. I also liked where he was heading with this alien theory of, of his. We, you know, we only touched on it there, but maybe, maybe we need to have him back on so we can just talk about that <laughs> for an hour or two. Ah, loved it. I'm going to leave you with this great quote from James Altucher. He says, every day you reinvent yourself. You're always in motion, but you decide every day, forward or backward. Hmm. That's a lot to think about there. Are you heading forward or are you heading backwards in your life? Chew on that for a little bit. Be great. Be grateful. Have a great week. And we'll see you on the next one.